without, without being too tongue-in-cheek, commend to you uh, John chapter 2. It's a great chapter. Um, it is, is well worth your time to sit down and read that. Uh, so maybe, maybe we should have just done both of them this morning. I don't know. Um, hey, I'm going to pray for us, uh, and then we're going to get into God's Word today. Um, God, thank you for your Word. Uh, thank you that you have revealed your truth to us in no uncertain terms, uh, and that by this truth we are saved uh, we are redeemed by the, by the saving work of Jesus that we find in the truth of the gospel revealed in the pages of scripture. We pray, Lord, that you would lead us to love the truth this morning uh, because we love the Lord who's revealed to us in the truth. We pray that you would build us up uh, to see you more clearly. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, so last week, we started in our kind of two-week little mini-series uh, which in Second John, uh, it's, it's a, a short book. You might remember, I encourage you last week, if you were here, to have a read-through of it. Have a read-through of it several times. It's like 13 verses. You can get away with doing that like five times and still have t- five out of ten minutes left. Uh, it's, it's, it's nice. And it's also a profound book. It's a, it's a letter, a little letter written to a church uh, that really opens up what it looks like to walk in the Christian life. Uh, in, in just 13 verses. Remarkable. It's a, a, read, a letter written to a, a church that's struggling uh, with divisions uh, and with breakaways. Uh, and what we saw is that what's not happening there is, is people leaving a church for good reasons because they have departed from the teaching of the gospel. Uh, what, what they're leaving for is because they themselves have departed from the teaching of the gospel. They have uh, left the essential truths of Jesus behind and therefore they are leaving the church and the love of the church behind. Uh, and as truth is being eroded, the love of the church, which flows from the truth of the gospel, is, is also being eroded. And so the fundamental, fundamental point of this letter, which we saw, is that true love loves the truth. And so last week we saw the Apostle John emphasise the, the love element of that equation uh, as he taught us that true love comes from the truth. And so believers in the truth must truly love. Uh, if, if, if you're a Christian, if you believe the truth of Jesus, uh, whether you love God's people or not is, is, is not a question. It's, it, it can't be. You have been so powerfully loved. And when we see the truth of Jesus and who he is and what he has done, we cannot help but love. Belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it leads us to walk in the truth and so to be a community of love. And this week we come to the, the second half of this little letter uh, and we see the truth side of the equation emphasised more as John shows us that uh, true love is formed by the truth and so what we believe really, really matters. In fact, you could put it more strongly than that. You could just say truth is foundational to the Christian life. You either have the truth or you have nothing. Jesus said that the whole law is summarized in, in two commands. Uh, he said, love the Lord with all your hearts, souls, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So, so love is kind of the summary statement of what it looks like to live the Christian life. But all of the Christian life happens as a result of right belief. That love pours out of believing the truth. Right action comes from believing right truth. 
the truth you believe then really matters, do you see? And the Apostle John takes this so seriously. And our first two verses make it really clear as they tell us, I'm sorry, I just have to say, if you happen to be in your first time in church this morning, or even if you just don't know me very well and you hear me saying, the Apostle John, the Apostle John, you happen to know that my name is John. I'm talking about the guy who wrote the letter. Uh, I'm not talking about me. Um, (laughs) Our first two verses going on now make it clear as they, they tell us that the loss of true Christian doctrine, true Christian belief is a separation from Christ. He says, many have gone out, many have left the church, in verse 7 there, uh, who do not confess the coming of Jesus in the flesh. John makes it pretty clear, doesn't he? Uh, If you don't hold to the truth about Jesus, thank you, Morris, you're not with us, he says. Like this is, this is, it's pretty stark stuff. In fact, he goes further. Uh, John, like, like read this. Here's, here's some words that we might come to with loaded ears. He says, Many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Now, there's, there's loads of words in the New Testament that you need to explain, but that one comes with its own baggage, especially if you've been in churches for a while. Um, you know, when we hear the Antichrist, and by the way, it's the Antichrist, he says. Uh, if, you, if you're reading an NIV, uh, you, you will have an Antichrist written in your version. But, but if you dig under that to the original Greek texts, it has the, the, the definite article before the word. It says the Antichrist. Um, in fact, uh, these, this is like the only place in the New Testament where this term comes up, here and in the other letters of John. Um, uh, that, that was a bit of a news flash to me pretty recently, actually. I, I was like, I'm sure the word the Antichrist comes up in, in Revelation. Nope, not once. Um, and, and, and here, you know, you might be thinking, as soon as you hear the words the Antichrist, you might be thinking, if you don't think this, you're going to be like, what kind of crazy person would think that? But just bear with me, because some of us will. You might be thinking of some sort of an end times figure. You might be thinking of a beast or someone who is represented by a beast in the book of Revelation. Uh, but John's... Uh, letters being the only place that use this word, don't use it in that way at all, quite categorically. Uh, For him, the Antichrist is anyone who denies the truth about Jesus and about who Jesus is, particularly those who come from within the church who do so. Those, you might call them a false teacher. You might, you know... And, and you might hear me say that, you might go, but, but the Antichrist is, you know, is, is this, and the Antichrist is that. The Antichrist is going to, you know, he's a, uh, I don't know, lead the UN, or depending on which movie you've watched that, that might have given you a funny impression. Um, and he's going he's gonna, to, you know, one world government and stuff like that. But the Bible just doesn't say that. Um, that's, that's, that's actually a misuse of the term Antichrist. The, the Bible says the Antichrist is the teacher who teaches what is false about Christ. Full stop. The, the truth about Jesus divides the body, the, the church, from, from the world. It, it divides, truth divides those who are for Christ for those who are anti-Christ. Doesn't the term make sense when you think about it in teaching anti-Christ? <laughs> Ultimately, eternal life is separated from eternal condemnation by truth. The truth is vital. So John commands the church. He says, watch yourself. 
Um, doesn't it? If, if you just get those words on their own, don't they sound like a modern piece of lingo? Hey man, watch yourself. But, but like he says it, literally those words, watch yourself or you might lose your reward, he says. It's a pretty stark warning, isn't it? Christians, you need to be serious about truth. I mean, there are Christians who I've known who, who say, you know what, I don't, I, don't, I don't really need this. You know, I've got, I've got my own little spiritual connection with God. I'm gonna, I, I keep this and I, I, I look at it sometimes and maybe give it a pat, but, but I don't open it and read it. Um, that's, that's, that's madness. I don't, I don't actually know people who said they give it a pat. That, I made that bit up. Um, loss of true Christian doctrine is a separation from Christ. Now, now you need to know, and I'm sure most of us do know, that's a controversial thing today. The acceptance of absolute truth, which comes with absolute implications for my life, for how I live, it's generally not a thing that people go in for in today's world. Uh, you know, and, and in the world, what that looks like is, is a rejection. Uh, it, it looks either like a, a rejection of truth in general, you know, kind of go, go instead for the all roads lead to uh, the same destination mentality or, or the belief that, you know, in, in, in some sort of a lie in favour of the truth. Um, but, but remember, you know, Second John, not primarily written to unbelievers, not primarily written for the context outside of the church. It's primarily has the church in view and false teachers coming from in the church in view. And what this looks like in the church is, is a lack of sound doctrine. If there's a, a concept that will make you unpopular today, more than maybe any concept, it, it's the idea that we need doctrine. It's a really unpopular word. I don't know if you've run into that. Uh, you know, the idea that theology, what we believe about God, really matters. Uh, you know, within and without the church, this is broadly the truth. And it's broadly unpopular to believe this. You know, and if you want evidence of that, you know, maybe you know, particularly of the within the church part of that, find me the mainline denomination in South Australia that can tell you what they believe clearly. Like, that's actual challenge. Come to me with it. Um, and, and if you do happen to run across one, then show me the, the, the mainline denomination that actually lives that out. Give, give you that little extra step. The narrative that people tend to go for today uh, is one of two things. First, there are the less common people who kind of buck against what I just said in some ways. Um, they take what they believe seriously in a sense, but don't seem to live it out that's that's really that that happens not not as common uh but you know we kind of addressed this a little bit last week we would call this checkbox christianity uh holds to good doctrine fails to see that it has implications for my life it's an abominable thing actually because <laughs> if you say you believe something it doesn't change how you live you don't believe it you know, it kind of says Christ died for my sins. He, he lovingly came down for me. Uh, but there's a, there's a disconnect. There's no love for my neighbor. There's no love for my brother or sister in Christ. There's no love for my enemies. And, and, and how, can I, how can I believe that Christ died for me if I don't love those that he lavishes his love upon? 
Second, there are those who look at the first group and say, you guys need to lighten up. You know, you need to stop spending so much time worrying about what you believe and just, just live the life that you ought to live. Be good to people. Love people. Just, just do the right thing. And, and what we need to see is that both of those are nonsensical, especially from the Bible's perspective. You know, the letter of 2 John calls this out as nonsense. Yeah, if, if you're a Christian who disagrees with me right here, hear me rightly. I'm not, I'm not trying to beat you over the head with this. I'm trying to lovingly call you back in uh, to what God has for you and what his word clearly says to us and leads us into. This is the best way to live. It is a joyful thing to know the truth, to really firmly believe the truth and to live out that truth, to embody that doctrine. Before we move on uh, to verse 9, we're going we're gonna to flip this around just a little bit. Uh, because I, I just want to quickly comment on verses 10 to 11, because we're not going to hit them right at the end. Uh, G, John calls us, uh, he, says, he says things like, don't allow someone into your house who, who does not bring this teaching. Uh, he says, don't even give them a greeting, um, who, anyone who doesn't abide in the teaching of Christ. Um, and first, uh, there's just a couple of quick notes to say about that. One, this is talking about people who claim to be Christians. Um, People who claim to be Christians but deny the, the, the essential truths of the Christian faith. Um, people who are spreading false teaching on central issues of, about Jesus. Um, and it must be said, that's not every teaching. Um, he's not talking about someone who disagrees with you on, I don't know, the millennium, you know. He, he's saying, you know, if, if they deny that Jesus came in the flesh, this is how you, how you respond to that. You know, in, but... Uh, in John's day, uh, there were, this was the norm, was that teachers would travel uh, from church to church, city to city, um, and, and they lived off of the hospitality of Christians, Christian teachers. Uh, this was the right thing to do. And, and John is saying, if they don't hold to the teaching of Christ, don't support their ministry. That's what he's saying. Um, second, what this isn't saying is be rude and obnoxious to them. You know, he says, don't give them a greeting. But in the context, what he's saying is, it, be clear that they're not among you. They're not one of you. It doesn't mean don't say hello. He's not talking about a cursory hello. He's talking about a Christian greeting that makes it clear that you are in the faith with me when someone is not. That's not loving. That's deceptive. And if someone is teaching a false thing, it's okay to say hello to them. It's okay to talk to them. It's even okay to sit with them and eat with them. What's not okay is to support their ministry and to support them as a Christian when you know that that's not the case. Yeah, I remember when, when we were living in Alice Springs, we had, um, we, 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 we kind of, uh, well, we, I uh, jokingly adopted some Mormons um, as, uh, as our Mormons. Um, we, we would catch up with them on a fairly regular basis. Um, and, and what we'd do is we'd sit down together and, and we'd talk faith. Uh, and what we didn't do was, was go for any of the line of, well, we're all Christians here. Um, the Mormon faith is not a Christian faith. They deny essential truths about Jesus, including that he is God, uh, which you don't get a lot more essential than that. But at the same time, we could talk to these guys. We could sit down and chat with these guys. In fact, we sat down and, and like the first meeting, I think they thought I was weird and it was great. I'm, 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 quite happy to be weird for Jesus. We should all be. Um, we sat down and I just go, look, 
you guys think I need to be converted. I think you need to be converted. We're just going to put that out there and let's just talk to each other about it and see, see how that goes. And, you know, they were happy with that because they did, you know. They, they, they can say all they like, you know, oh, well, you know, we're all kind of Christians, but in the end, they're there because they think you need to be converted. And, and in the end, I look at them and I say, well, you deny the essential truths of the doctrine of Christ's divinity, so yeah, you need to be converted too. And so we sat down and we talked about it. That, we can do that. This isn't calling to be completely inhospitable and angry towards people is what I'm saying. This is calling us to draw a line and to be happy to say, no, that's not Christian faith. And what you're teaching isn't Christian truth. Here, let me show you what Christian truth is. Now, moving back onto our verse 9 track here. Lest we should start to fall into thinking that the Apostle John simply wants us to check the boxes of doctrine, to have a robust belief statement, um, just, just know how to tell people what I believe, which is a good thing to do, by the way, but not enough. John now goes on and he calls us to something. He calls us to abide in the truth. He says, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Abide in the teaching of Christ, he says. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say confess the teaching of Christ. He doesn't say agree with the teaching of Christ. He says abide in the teaching. What we need right now, what the church needs, what the world needs, and what it's always needed, but, but particularly in a kind of our post-truth concept era, um, what's broadly absent in, in most modern churches uh, is, is Christians who live in and live out the good doctrine that they believe, who, who, who don't just check the box and who don't just think it's about, you know, just live a good life and be nice to people, who abide in the teaching of Christ, who hold truth and love and hold them together and refuse to ever take them apart. You know, what, what we need is the church, if we are to be the church, is not truth disconnected from life and not life without regard for the truth, but truth embodied, truth lived. We need, we need Christians, churches who are serious about what we believe, serious about doctrine, serious about theology, about the teaching of the gospel, and who are equally serious about living it out. This is what it looks like to be one who has the Father and the Son, John says. This is what it looks like to be one who is in relationship with God. You know, we can, we can think of that in airy terms, right? But, but relationship has truth as its foundation. As, as we end today, I want to give you a couple of practical tools for moving ahead with this. Uh, this is a little bit different to how I might normally land a sermon. Um, first one this is an easy one. Christians, read good books and spend your life in the good book. Okay. These, you, know, you get Christians who, who 
we'll, we'll read other books to the exclusion of the Bible. Don't hear me saying, don't read the other books, just spend your life in this one. And then read the others as well. Yeah, I know, I know not everyone's a crazy fast reader. Uh, I'm not a crazy fast reader. In fact, I think I could go toe for toe, toe to toe with any of you for how slow I can read. Uh, but um, I read because in books we find amazing truths. We, we find discipleship from past and present Christian leaders. We find uh, wonderful things. And in this book, we find the truth of the gospel expounded for us, brought to life in us, given to us. There is nothing better you can give your time to. But as you come to grasp the doctrine, true doctrine, understand that there are truths which we must not bend on. But that doesn't mean that you have to be unbending on any point of what you believe as a whole. Uh, here's a useful tool. I'm, I'm stealing this from someone. I think his name's Al Mola, but he might have nicked it from someone else. Um, the idea of, of theological triage. Um, I'm a, this, is, this is great for me. It relates to me because I'm a nurse. Uh, you might not know. Uh, uh, and so when, when we have a patient come into the emergency department and we get two people come in at the same time, or, you know, if you have your big metro uh, emergency department, which I've never worked in, but, you know, you get 50 people come in at the same time and you've got... 10 nurses, you've got to make some decisions there about who gets treated first, right? Uh, you've got to make some decisions about what's important and what's less important. Uh, it's, a, it's a similar concept here, theological triage. You need to first look at, say, what is essential? What is the gospel doctrine which we must not bend on and must never leave behind? Which we must be ready to say, if you don't believe this, then we have a line here and you've crossed over it and you're not in the faith. Um, you, you want a starter's guide to this? Take a look at, at, at our belief statement. You can, you can find it on the Gospel Church website. I think that does a decent job of these uh, essential truths. Um, you know, it's things like the humanity and the deity of Christ. Um, because, well, because actually see First and Second John, because uh, that's what was brought into question there. But if we don't have the humanity and the deity of Christ, we don't have a saviour. We, we're not rescued by someone who isn't a man like us. And we're not rescued by someone who isn't God enough to carry our punishment. Um, justification by faith alone, to pick another. There, there's a number of these. Uh, if we, and you know, you want that? Look at the book of Galatians. Because um, that's the heresy that that was written against. Um, justification, justification by faith alone is so important because if we add anything to faith, then we've lost our faith. Faith plus anything is nothing because it relies on me doing something to get to God and I will never be enough to get to God, even a little bit. The authority of Scripture is another of these things we must hold to. That This is not just a book that we can pick and choose in. This is where we go to find the truth about who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And like, I'm not going to list every single essential doctrine for you today. I was just giving you some examples. Then we have to ask the question, what is secondary? And, and when I say secondary, don't hear unimportant. It's just not the gospel center. It's not the stuff that we cannot disagree on. You can disagree on some issues and still be a Christian. It's important because some people go, all right, everything that I believe, I'm going to chuck it into that middle circle of the, of the, the essential doctrines and call everyone else a heretic. That's just not heresy. That's, that's not how that works. Um, 
This, this is secondary is issues that the Bible speaks about, uh, but which are not at the centre of the biblical faith. Um, you know, they, they're usually more things about how we practice ministry uh, than, than about who Jesus is and what he's done. Um, to pick one out of the hat, you know, um, women as pastors. Uh, there are churches and denominations that go, yes and amen. There are churches and denominations that go, no, 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 we think the Bible says this, that, that that's not uh, how the church should practice. Both of those groups are Christians still, or can be Christians still, uh, hear me say. Um, it can be, it, it makes it difficult to practice in the same church together, but, but you can both still hold to the fact that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, then, then, I would add a third level. What is tertiary? What is third order theology? Um, and when I say I would add, I'm, Al Moller would add and I'd nick it from him. Um, and, and, and you might label this as opinions and speculations. Um, and, and, and personally, I would put a lot of the discussions which get a lot of airtime about the end times in, into this category because, because the Bible does not give clear answers on a lot of the things that some teachers will put out there and go, this is 100% definitely true. And you go, that's a, that's, that's a pretty drawn out interpretation of that passage, brother. I still hold him as a brother, uh, but, but a lot of those things I'd put into here. Uh, there are some essentials of the end times, by the way. Jesus is coming back. He will reign forever and we will reign with him. New heavens and new earth. Condemnation and salvation. Sure. But there are some things that the Bible just doesn't make clear. And we have to be happy to go, you know what, that's something we can bend around. That's something we can say, you know what? We believe differently on this. That's fine. Finally, as, as, you, as you come to understand the truth, as, as you come to... Uh, grow in, in doctrine, um, live to embody it. I, I know I've said this a lot this series, but, but if you're just checking boxes, then it's pointless. If you're just going, you know, I, I, I believe in this, 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 and this, and I've written out my belief statement, I'm going to save it on my computer, I'm going to write it out and have it on my wall, and, and it's not going to change how I live. You don't believe. Sorry. Not Sorry. Um, if, you, if you want, I'm, I'm going to recommend another book to you now, if, if, if you will. I think I've recommended this one before. But if, if you want a book that will give you a nice, uh, approachable starter's guide to, to embodying doctrine, Gospel Fluency by Jeff Vanderstelt. It's a, it's a good, good run for your money. Um, if you're not a reader, you can get it as an e-book, uh, audio book. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, Christians, we have, to, we have to believe good truth. And we have to live it out. We have to embody what we believe. This is what the Bible calls us to. This is what Second John calls us to. And let me let me close today with an invitation. Um, you know, perhaps you've heard me talking about truth and about doctrine, uh, and you've been like, maybe this guy's a little bit crazy, or maybe maybe you've heard that and 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 you've heard me talking about truth that leads us to love, truth that transforms us truth that, that changes you from the inside out, um, about knowing the Saviour, who when you know him, he changes you, changes your life and leads you having, into having, like John says, the Father and the Son, leads you into a relationship with the, the God who created you. Perhaps you've realised this morning, that's not me. 
You know, maybe, maybe you've sat in church your whole life. And I never want to be that church that assumes that we've only got believers in the room. Maybe you've sat in church your whole life and just realized, I've been, I've been living out checkboxes. That my whole faith has just been about having a list. And, and it's more than that. The Bible calls me to more than that. Maybe this is all new to you. Maybe, maybe this is a, a whole new realization to you. But you've, you've realized that this is what you want. This is what you need. You need Jesus. And you want to come to believe in him and put the old things behind and have him as Lord. Let me, let me just tell you that the invitation of Jesus stands open to you with nothing in your way. He can be yours today. You can, you can believe the truth. The truth that God sent his only son into the world. To take all of the weight of the punishment for your sin. To be raised to new life. And to give you new life in his name. All you need to do is believe. And with that, uh, would you pray with me now? Uh, whether a believer or not. Jesus, help us to believe. Now I want to pray for, for anyone hearing this who, who has not put their faith in you, not trusted in your truth of the gospel that today would be the day. That you'd lead into saving faith. Lord, that, that repentance, turning away from the old life and turning to the joy that is in Christ would be the fruit of today. And I pray for all of us. I just, I just stand in wonder at your truth. It's not just a list it's not just, just a book. It is the wonderful truth of the God who loves us. Who gave greatly to bring us into his presence and into joy with him. So I pray that we would be a people who love the truth. Lead us, Lord, to, to reject the dual lies of our day that, that truth doesn't matter so you can just live or that... Uh, Truth is all that matters and it doesn't change how I live. Lord, let us be a people of doctrine embodied, of the truth of Jesus displayed. And as you change us, Lord, lead us out to carry that truth to the world around us. I pray it in the name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen.